0: this podcast is for entertainment purposes only the hosts are not trained professionals and their opinions come from personal experience not professional training in this episode we discuss fictional depictions of trauma and violence that may not be suitable for all listeners so please take care of yourselves specific content warnings for each episode can be found in the show notes events in the media are discussed in approximate order of escalation this episode contains spoilers Aborsen, the third installment of the Old Kingdom. Lirial has been revealed as the Aborsen in waiting and Sam as the inheritor of the Wallmakers Charter. Together they worked first to save Nick, then to save their entire existence and come together as a family. This episode we are following Sam across Lirial and Aborsen. Hi, I'm Nicole. And I'm Robin. And welcome to Books That
1: Burn, where we're going to be discussing Aborsen and Lirial. Uh, by this,
0: garth nix part of which is part of the old kingdom series this is our second week discussing these same two books because our characters were choosing characters and not just plot points for each of them and our main character storylines kind of overlap
1: all right so factions mostly the same as before we've got lyriel sam alamir sabriel touchstone the disreputable dog mogget the Claire, Oranis, Nick, the Sutherling
0: refugees, Hedge, and Clore of the Mask. Um so jumping right into our minor character spotlight, Nick. Um so Nick it was kind of his, his he kind of starts out kind of funky because he wasn't the intended target for his his trauma. Mm-hmm. Um his his major trauma was a piece of Oranus, just a tiny sliver, a shard, put under the skin of his finger that slowly worked its- it had to be very tiny because it didn't kill him during this- it slowly worked its way through his veins to to lid, to lodge itself in his heart. Um, uh. Which, actually, now that I'm thinking about that, saying that out loud, that must have been like a splinter of glass- <laughs> Like, the tiniest little sliver, uh, that's not very big at all, uh, which is weird, because Uranus is described as being this huge, like, miles-wide, giant sphere It's at one point. They moved it, so it's not miles-wide. I guess it's not miles-wide. No, you're right. Like, but they it, carried it, just, it on a cart. <laughs> but it's still big. It's still big, Yay. And and the idea of the sliver being small enough to go through your veins and your arteries is... It must have been very tiny. Um, but he had this, he had this in him, which facilitated his, um, his kidnapping, his, um, distorted sense. Really it's gaslighting distorted sense of reality being told literally what he was seeing. Wasn't what he was seeing for essentially most of two books. Mm -hmm. Um, his actions were not his own, his like, sometimes they were, but every, his senses were overlaid by the presence, the entity, the, the, the personality and the self in the shard. And so even when his actions were his own, his senses were not. Um and sometimes, uh, Uranus did just take over his body, speak through his voice Walk his legs somewhere, <laughs> um, just not all the time, and 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 we call it gaslighting because in the in some few moments of lucidity, he d- he looked around him and went, "Whoa, this isn't where I want to be. What am I doing? This these people are are dead. What is going on?" And then Hedge tells him, "No, no, no,
1: they're just sick. You right. don't want to touch them because they're gross and sick." go back to sleep
0: yeah it's 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 a very i almost (laughs) the wording i want to use is literal form of gaslighting but it's a it's a physical manifestational form of gaslighting where you're not just being told your senses are wrong your senses are being hijacked to tell you wrong information just you know Uh, gaslighting plus vr yeah yeah it's vr gaslighting (laughs) um that's a horrifying thought (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, he was not actually the intended target. This was uh, slated for Prince Samoth. Um, but Sam was otherwise occupied in the fight and, uh, Nick managed, ended up just going and find the necromancer found him first and didn't at first pay attention to which child he had. Um, and I think that that's important because I think it's important to note because Sam wasn't necessarily prepared to stand up against that. But Sam. Nick
1: was not prepared.
0: Nick had no protection. Sam, at least, would have had both his parents, who have full awareness, understanding, and like any kind of magical resources to maybe have helped him possibly. Uh, Sam is surrounded by people who are very, very good Charter mages. Sam is aware of Charter and Free Magic and has been his whole life. Sam is a very good Charter mage. Sam is a very good Charter mage. Sam might even have been able to fight the Free Magic by nature of being a Charter mage. Like, that might even have happened. But there Nick might be- had nothing. Nick had literally nothing. Nick didn't even have belief. Nick was refusing to admit that the the... The dead hands attacking them were dead, like, five, Even before like the five minutes happened. before he got the shard put in his arm. Like, he had absolutely nothing. Um, and trauma isn't less traumatic because you have someone who in your life who can recognize it, but healing from it is sometimes easier, or preventing more is sometimes easier if you have a support structure. And Nick didn't have that the intended target did but not the recipient not the the recipient um i'm trying to think of what all to say about this because really nick doesn't even remember most of it at the end
1: no he he doesn't remember most of it but i would like to point out that that is also a kind of trauma true he just true. loses more than a year of his life
0: yeah and his health yeah, also. his health, like
1: all his plans for school and everything, got totally upended. Mm-hmm. Uh, his sense of reality is just wrecked. Yeah, and at the end, they're like, "Yeah, go back to Anselsteer." Um, he
0: does. <sighs> I mean, we the we'll grow We might talk about that more in a later book. Yeah, sending him he- back there was not a Maybe go about your merry way. That was actually actually a protective measure for him. Oh sure. It was um, it was it was a protective measure, but I would argue dismissive. it wasn't I was not like to argue that at all. it was I would like
1: to argue that it wasn't really a protective measure for him, though. Because I mean, it was you the, are it, was, it, was, it, was, it was you ooze free magic and charter magic. We don't know what to do with you. Let's just put you as far away from magic as possible.
0: I, I will say this though. He was officially dead, and for all that um anyone in in the old kingdom could guess they they thought that going to the old kingdom would kill him
1: right no so so it is it is
0: protective for him because otherwise they think he will die (laughs) so when i hadn't read book five Oh, I thought that it had nothing
1: to do with his well-being or safety. Oh, oh okay. Well, nothing in the book that nothing in book three.
0: Okay, that's fair. But also, communicates like, I don't that.
1: That's fair. And so, but part of my argument is that because nothing about that communicates that, even though that gets softened later, mm. even though that does get softened later,
0: your experience uh, at first was right. The very the experience callous- of-
1: because, like, being sent away, like, things happen all the time where someone's like, we have to do this for your own good. But oh. when that isn't communicated clearly at the start, that sense of, I got shoved back here and told to live my life mm. without magic around, pretending that there's nowhere that it's real. That's a very classic trauma for people who were ordinary, got dunked into fantasy zone and then left.
0: <laughs> like, okay.
1: That's that's a very common trope and I I do think that it definitely happened here. Oh, okay. even, I see even what though you're theres saying. a
0: reverse of it of it later,
1: I do think it's important to look at what's in this book.
0: I guess maybe not a reversal because it doesn't reverse Nick's experience. It just gives no, it doesn't. Us, it just gives us context as readers to go, oh, they thought he would literally be ripped apart. Sure, Got people do it. things for reasons all the time,
1: but it, right. I think it's very important to point out that it doesn't change how okay. stressful. So when at, at, when the end of, at the end of book three, with no other information, which is how I was about these books for a decade, um, <laughs> yeah. with treating the ending as book three. I mean, I didn't know until two months ago that there was a four and a five. Right. Um, with with three as the ending we don't get Nick's perspective on how he feels about it. And he's just sent back and away. And it's like, I don't know what he's going to do now.
0: And then it turns
1: out it it didn't go very well, (laughs) which is why we have book five. But, um, it, I, I do think it's very important to look at it from how is it for Nick at this point because we know now that there's more stuff that's happening to him. Yeah. But as a character, he doesn't know what's going to happen. He's just been cast away, kind of. You yeah. know, he's met the people who are saying he has to go. He's met Sabriel and Touchstone, hadn't really met the Claire, and so all these people making these decisions. It's one other, it's more people making big decisions that'll shape the rest of his life.
0: Well, and also and not, even the I don't people mean to say that, that, that he's he met, even the people that he's met, like he knows them as Sam's intimidating parents, <laughs> right? So they're it's not, not warm fuzzies to him. Exactly, it's not like this. It's not like they're as bad as Aranis
1: or anything. But no, Hedge and Aranis wreck the course of Nick's life, and then the just pivot of like go back. And no one's there. No support structure. No one to talk to him. I think it's important to to address that.
0: Okay, moving on to our first uh, main character topic with Sam. Um, so Sam, uh, the, we kind of get the the feeling that our my cat says hi. Uh <laughs> we kind of get the feeling that um our third topic, which we'll talk about after this, kind of kicks off um this this second thing in a very real way, but but that this wasn't this wasn't a sudden thing, it was just like kind of shoved into Sam's direct like line of view and 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 piece of who he is. Um So Sam, we find out Inherits the powers of the Wallmakers, um, which uh, honestly, up until we find this out about him, really for all of um, for all of Sabriel, uh, we are given the impression that the Wallmakers don't exist as a bloodline and that they physically put themselves into the wall and the Charter Stones, and so like they're not people anymore. But then Sam, we find out, is the is the heir to their their powers, their legacy. This is not a case of uh anyone in Sam's life looking at him as a wallmaker and saying, well, clearly, you know, like you can't be a wallmaker because I don't want you to be. It's it's looking at him and assuming because Elamir is the heir to the um the ruling bloodline. Um yeah, the, the royal, royal bloodline. bloodline and and they don't know about Lyrial yet, they kind of assume that Sam has to be the abortion and waiting because he's the only other child, and so you've got two kids, got two kids so. and two bloodlines, so obviously. Um, but Sam is not the abortion inheritor, um, and he he has a very like. So we've we kind of talked a lot in the first two ep- the first two uh, episodes with this series about how being a an abortion is should be a traumatic thing they deal with a lot of things that are that can be very very traumatizing they deal with with literal death they have to deal with things that are constantly trying to drag them down into death when they are living and breathing things that will try and consume their life essence just going into death is a scary idea um in general and it's it's a little you know and but we always get this feel of like sabriel does it and it's second nature and it's fine lyrial experiences the first time it goes ah, oh, i'm home <laughs> like um mm-hmm. they they fit and they're they're literally bloodline built for it sam only ever went in with his mom never touches the book of the dead is supposed to he's supposed to have been studying this uh we kind of get the sense that he had like put it off because he was in school and so he could you know kind of do other things and not really tackle that part of his his uh, supposed inheritance but then
1: hard to read the magic book when you're in the no magic world. Right,
0: right exactly um, but also like there's this very real feeling of like he just that's not what he's interested in and then he goes up against um, he, he then he 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 deals with our third topic and then he he's told well, now you have to do this. Now it's too- now you're late. <laughs> you should have been doing this already. And so he goes and he tries to study, and he can't even make himself open the book. He's terrified. He's terrified of death. He's terrified of the Book of the Dead. He's terrified of the bells. He's got some little itty-bitty tiny bits of training from Sabriel, but none of this is an exhilarating experience for him. And I honestly thought it was a very interesting juxtaposition, because our other two books- Our other two main characters have this excitement that comes with it and Sam looks at this and has just this dread. Sheer terror. terror, Like, like, (laughs) almost fainting, dizzy, exhausted, falling on the floor, can't get out of bed, like, depressed because he'd have to touch the book, paralyzed, anxious, just the whole cacophony of, of things. But at the same time, we find out that Sam is always making things and he's always been making things and his family just assumes he makes things. He has a whole workshop that is full of things and full of charter magic and charter spells that like there's, there's one moment where Elamir comes in and we, we are told that she looks around and she doesn't understand any of it in there. And, and kind of, I think the same thing, um, um, did we get that with Lyrial? Oh, no, that was just Elamir. I think I don't think Lyrial ever went back. Nah, Lyrial never comes yeah. to the tower. But Elamir but goes in, and Elamir knows zero percent of the magic he's even working with. Yeah, um, it's like, well, I recognize that light spell. The corner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh look, a lamp. <laughs> um, cool, uh, but there's this. There's this very. I I personally think very well, literally executed sense of repression of his his inheritance repression of his powers um right and I would argue that it's not
1: like yes his particular heritage comes with this whole thing with like magic and mm-hmm. stuff but it's it's also it feels like everyone spent their time like ignoring what he was actually doing yes. and just saying what they thought he should be doing and yes in the series they have a pretty
0: good reason for
1: thinking that he ought to be the abortion in waiting because because if he's not then nobody else as far as i'm aware if he's not then
0: who and then if something happens to sabriel everyone's doomed so yeah that makes sense but like and i had i had this thought um reading through it now as an adult that this this seems very much like a a a very stereotypical almost closeted experience um of any kind where where this Mm -hmm. this character has this thing about themselves and maybe that there are signs their family could have picked up on maybe not for him there were Mm -hmm. but he very much i would argue that it's it's very much repressed (sighs) i would argue that it's a it's a perfect stand-in
1: for queerness, especially, like, in recent uh, – it's it's a very good stand-in for queerness because the problem was that he didn't know the label. Oh, that too. Yeah. So, it was like, once you get this – what's this word for this unifying thing? And that doesn't have to only apply to queerness, that can also apply to, like, different sorts of, like – syndromes and identity mm. things and things where it's like it, it puts together like having the word for it makes all these things make sense. And queerness isn't the only one, but I, I do think that it yeah, it, it definitely does work for that because it's like, no, I'm, I'm not this thing that you thought I am. And if we'd had the word for it and known that this was anywhere in the realm of possibility, we might have figured it out earlier, yeah. But we didn't have we didn't have the word. We didn't have the the structure for yeah. it. Yeah,
0: and um, I, I do think it's it's important here too that I think there's a I think there's a good parallel too where like obviously this is not you know the case for everyone. Your mileage may vary. Your circumstances may vary. Um, but in in Sam's particular case, his parents are not antagonistic. His parents are not doing this to him on purpose. Um, and right. and not everyone who is closeted or hiding or unsure of their identity or – not everyone has parents who would be openly antagonistic. A lot of people do. Um,
1: yeah. And then there's the point where this falls away as a good thing for queerness mm-hmm. because it's not like – I suppose maybe some people have – yeah, there was – the gay one <laughs> but it's not like there's like the legendary queer no. one
0: <laughs> no in well i mean that's <laughs> where that's where it, that's where <laughs> it crosses people.
1: into the fantasy book yeah. realm <laughs> Um, right, right, fan- fan- and I don't think this is necessarily meant to be a fantasy analog. No, that, no, but just it's just very well. Just that this type of narrative of being fundamentally understood but by- fundamentally misunderstood by those yeah. around you because of something where you don't have the words for it that shows up in a lot of fantasy it stuff. Does.
0: And one of the places it shows up in real life is in things like queer. Yeah, but I-, I think it's important to note that even without an antagonistic family. He still didn't have an understanding or supportive one. Does that make sense? Like, like he he, he did. Yeah, they're not there. Right? He he did once he had a label, and more importantly, once he had somebody else who was taking on the identity that they they wanted him to have. Um, which, right. like, I I know some people who have who've had parallels in their lives with this, where like, if they are gay or a lesbian specifically then
1: mm-hmm. um or uh oh it's okay because i've got grandkids from your straight yes. sibling?
0: oh no yeah i i have friends who had that pressure of like you're going to give us kids right oh it's fine your sister has a daughter okay we're good <laughs> never mind you can go be yourself now <laughs> like okay and and their their parents were never like you should be straight but their parents were like well if you can't give us children are you going to adopt can you do something please i have to have this void filled and and like
1: <laughs> not that gay or lesbian has to mean not going to have any children no, no no of, no of but like child, biologically but that that's what people parent are worried about Right, yeah. right. When people are worried about that, then it's like, oh, no, it's not the kind of kid I thought you were yeah, going to or, have.
0: Yeah, or, oh, no, you're not going to give us kids by default with your your significant other at some point. You're going to have to do it on purpose. Um, like, there's very ranch much- for a
1: later time, it's gross that that's the default.
0: Oh, right. oh but, yeah. Also, uh, <laughs> yes, that um, – but that is but, something that but a, yeah, I do
1: see what you're saying. We're part of why it's fine that Sam isn't the abortion is because, because shows up, <laughs> because Lyriel shows up, um, and
0: yeah. it is a little bit different because like not giving your your parents' grandkids is not the same thing as the world dying to zombies. Because but you didn't fill that role
1: within each family, the stakes feel that yes. high, or, or can.
0: yeah, or or the pressure for sure is a similar. Which is the whole point
1: of a fantasy series. Yes. Um, yeah. We're we're you probably have noticed we're big fans of magical analogs for real world problems. Uh,
0: I mean, that's why
1: I like Because I I dislike the narrative that, that fantasy <coughs> makes you unable to deal with the real world.
0: Oh no. I always because think I've always thought and I've this is how I've approached fantasy. I always feel like fantasy is more real world than historical fiction or real life fiction. Because if you're telling mm-hmm. a real-life story, then you have to be careful because, oh no, you might say something that someone disagrees with in the real world, and then there are consequences. Um, things yeah. get sanitized. Things get toned down. Things get whitewashed because they don't want – you want the largest amount of readers, and so you can't really – you're not allowed get to get queered baited and then made very straight <laughs> yeah so you you don't want to alienate any portion of the population as a reader and that includes your homophobic your racist people your like the people that are causing the various problems. flavors of bigot right yeah. and so a lot of i always just dis- i've always disliked um fiction based in the real world because it it, it never feels real to me um, but fantasy mm. if it's if it's not a real person then you can tell a story that does parallel real things and honestly i think it, i think people make more interesting more real feeling characters because they're not limited by oh no you can't mention that war because there are real statistics about it and people will argue <laughs> like um yeah so i don't know i think that this i think that uh, sam's parallel is just very well written and very well represented in that way. Mm-hmm. Okay, moving on to so Sam Sam starts, almost starts this book Um And to be clear, by this book in this case we do mean Lyriel. We do mean Lyriel, I'm sorry. Leading yes. into a Yes, like yeah. the very beginning of our, our two book span. Um, he begins this book uh, Um with an attack aimed at him. And as part of uh, rebuffing that attack, he goes into death to try and track the necromancer who is sending dead hands out. But uh, he finds him. He's successful. And he is not even a contender in prepared. the fight.
1: <laughs> oh, he's not prepared. He did not go in with the bell. He didn't go in with the pan- bells. He didn't go in with pan pipes. He doesn't have it. Anything. He hasn't doesn't even
0: read the Book of the it, Dead, like He doesn't even have a spelled sword. No, he has he's just he's just a person who could he's not even trained yet. He's just a person who can wander into death and wandered into death and went looking for a trained, very, very powerful necromancer and found him. Um uh, the necromancer burns his hand, his wrist, by grabbing it with his fingers. Um and uh and that, that whole encounter, he does recover physically. Um but that encounter plus, as we discussed in our, our, our topic too, uh that encounter plus just the fact that he is not the the bearer of the abortion bloodline in any way, shape, or form, uh combine to make death and going into death really just almost a ptsd can't touch it won't touch it i have to touch it oh no i'm reliving it every day i feel the burned hands on my wrist every day i think about death and i i get a panic attack every day <laughs> like um he just he's just going over it over and over and over and he's all he's and he's almost forcing himself to relive it it's it's not just an unconscious thing because he he's supposed to be directly confronting death and learning about death and he doesn't even open the book of the dead and and part of that i will i will say um part of that is not just trauma makes him not want to open the book part of that is a very magic a real magical thing about uh, books like the book of the dead they only open for people who are supposed to read them um like if you if you try and force open the Book of the Dead, it has protective countermeasures. You won't be able to open it and read it. And they they talk about that a little bit in bits and pieces in in all three books. Yeah. So only
1: a trained necromancer can open it, and only a, an uh, untainted
0: charter mage
1: can close it.
0: And Sam is neither. <laughs> um. Well, I guess he is an untainted Charter Mage, but he is not a trained or untrained necromancer in any way, shape, or form, we find out here. And so, you know, I will say that part of, like, the touching the book and instantly getting, like, shivers and shakes and and being done, part of that very well could just be magical – the book is saying that i'm not no for you. because okay i think it's very um, clear
1: it's very important to point out that the shivers and he shakes. read it with ha- his mom.
0: the shivers and shakes so like
1: there was the i don't want near this and then there was i'm ill from touching it and i know we don't get a whole lot of before yeah. but it does seem from the way the narration does that being ill from from thinking about touching it is new and is from being burned by the necromancer so I don't okay. think there's any reason to suspect that that's a magical defense mechanism of any kind. I,
0: I think it is I think it is both. Um, there There's other let me see if I can find it. Um, I was looking at the thing after
1: Sam's in the hospital to try and figure out if it ever says what degree of burn it is but it's enough that he was on that he was just basically out on morphine for days so my guess would be at least second (sighs) at least second
0: degree yeah yeah it wasn't third degree but it was not insignificant oh he also writes a lot of letters to his parents trying to like he's he's trying to explain and then he they as he puts it they all go in the fire (laughs) That night, as he had done scores of times before, Sam unlocked the cupboard to the left of his workbench and steeled himself to look at the Book of the Dead. It sat on a shelf, shining with its own ominous green light that overshadowed the soft glow of the charter lights in the ceiling. He reached out to it like a hunter trying to pat pat a wolf in the vain hope that it might be only a friendly dog. His fingers touched the silver clasp and the charter marks laid upon it, but before he could do more, a violent shaking overtook him and his skin turned as cold as ice.
1: So, I think he repeatedly has gone to it and tried to read it, but
0: to, um, at least it's still worse. I, I mean, it's- it's I I agree that it's worse. I just think that- I think that there's enough in here that it would make sense that it is partly the trauma, but also just partly the book saying, don't, like, I'm not for you. Mm-hmm. Um and and there's because also there there's a one point and i don't know where this is now in the book um he um he explicitly says that the only times that he had had the book open and read it before at all had been studying with his mom like he had never studied any of it on his own um and it would make sense to me that his mom would open it and close it, because at that point, he's untrained. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And and he, and and also, um, I'm I'm not going to try and find this, because I'm not even sure if it's at the end of Lirial or at the beginning of Aborsin. I think it's at the end of Lirial. Um, but when he is given the Wallmaker coat, and he kind of has that revelation of, oh, this thing that I do all the time is my birthright. It's not just a hobby or an extra whatever. Um, he stops being afraid. Like he's, he's very much able to like handle like, Oh, well, if Lyrial's the one going into death, I'm not scared of death anymore because I don't have to, I don't have to deal with it. That's not my job. Um, and we, we, I guess this might fit better in our second topic recording, but, um, like there's, there's very much this. Once, once he doesn't have to be the one doing it, a lot of that, that, that residual traumatic, reoccurring pain. Um, it doesn't go away overnight but it's 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 handleable now it's bearable now um, is there anything else with Sam i I do think
1: so so one thing with because I feel like almost like we might have had the the traumas in the wrong order for this one I feel a little bit like that but if we...
0: I mean, they're also very intertwined. They're very intertwined.
1: But him, I think it feels like, I guess him, him not feeling like he fit in predates him getting burned by the necromancer, but it's complicated when reading the books because he gets burned by the necromancer before we get to see how much he doesn't fit in with being the abortion and waiting.
0: That's true. So, all right. Wrap up in readings. Okay, for the
1: gratuity rating, going through for minor character, Nick, uh, it's not backstory and it's not off screen. Uh, is it mild, moderate, severe? Um, <laughs>
0: This feels severe. I, well, we have to talk about the reader perspective. Okay,
1: okay. Okay, sorry. Reader perspective, it's like moderate.
0: Yeah. Re- reader perspective, I think how it depends on how active your imagination is. I, I would agree with moderate because if you don't, I like how you knew immediately that I wanted to say severe because the
1: holy, oh my goodness, that would be so terrifying.
0: Yeah, but like we can't, we can't, yeah, yeah, we can't go off of the off of the character, character. Yeah, it has to be the reader. Um, yeah, yeah. So I think it's moderate because if you're not paying very much attention to it, it's probably it's probably a uh, mild. <laughs> if you think mm-hmm. about it a lot. <laughs> It can get severe. Um, yeah. So it's kind of a your mileage may vary. Gauge your own. How active is your imagination?
1: Right. Um, if and you how have much- trauma related
0: to gaslighting, then mm-hmm. this
1: might feel worse. Yes. Um,
0: yes. All right. Um, so Sam not fitting in. Sam not fitting in. Uh, Sam repressing the thing that is making him not fit in. I think in terms of the reader experience, it's mild.
1: Yeah like it's repeated. It's like a lot.
0: Yeah. But it's um, not like bad. I I agree. I I also would say though that if I think this again is kind of one of like your mileage may vary depending on your own experiences because you know we kind of we kind of related it to to being similar to being closeted in various ways. And I think right. if you are someone who has experienced that, this is going to be more moderate, or depending on how current that that closeting is and how much you're aware of it, it could even be severe.
1: Well, to the parallel of um, being closeted, I think if it has trauma had been both you can't do the thing you want to do and you must do the thing you don't want to do, that would yeah. go to moderate or severe. But because it's just sure, sure, do the thing you want, but you'd better do this.
0: Well, it's That's not, it's to me, not but- just sure, sure, do the thing you want, though, because he's being told, put away that thing and do the real adult thing now.
1: Yeah. Okay, I guess he wouldn't have had as much time to do what he wanted to do if he'd actually been doing the thing he was supposed to do. Yeah, he would have uh, done
0: zero of that thing that he wanted. Okay. Um, so somewhere between mild and moderate. I think, it's, I think it's mild if you don't have your own trauma regarding having to repress part of your identity. I think it's moderate Maybe severe, depending on how much severe your trauma was. I would argue that this is such a good fantasy analog that I don't think it would drag that up. Because I we're saying, don't hey, want to assume that about everyone's experiences. Well, okay, but I—I I would say be careful. Okay, be cautious but the, the reason- if you have this in your own your own backstory. Right. But. To be clear, your parents telling you to do something that you don't want to do—that's uh, well—that's so not the—that's you- not it though. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking okay. about specifically closeting or repressing part of who you are as a human being.
1: And and I'm saying that that's more in the implications. And well, that's why the- I'm
0: saying it. it I, that's why I'm saying it's mild unless you've experienced it yourself and see the parallel. Right. That's why I'm saying that. Okay. That's why I'm saying. That's why I'm saying. If you have that particular thing, in any way, shape, or form, in your own your own life, be aware that this is going to be more graphic to you than it is to other people. Probably, yeah. Okay. Uh, Same thing. Then- afraid of death. So this.
1: <sighs> oh, this is moderate to severe. This is like this is a lot. <laughs> it's- um. Because the thing is, he's scared of a particular way in which death is portrayed. But being... But being afraid of death is a thing. Being being assaulted and Mm -hmm. terrified of dying
0: together as a whole thing. That is... Yeah.
1: Not going to say any more because this is the... No spoilers. But anyway, that as the thing, that is... That's somewhere between moderate and severe.
0: Do you, do you see why I think we, we put these in the okay, right fine. order now?
1: <laughs> okay, I do I do agree. Maybe they were in the right order. Um,
0: the other one was just so pervasive, though. It's anyway. pervasive, it's just not as visceral. It's lower key, yeah. It's like the first gate. Um, <laughs> um, okay, why this trauma? Is it integral to the plot, interchangeable with the plot, or really kind of irrelevant? Uh, uh, Nick, Integral. Integral, for sure. Bing- he is the yep. reason for the season, so to speak. <laughs> um, uh, Sam
1: also, I think it's integral. Uh, nah, it's interchangeable. Because mm-hmm. Lyriel's the abortion and waiting. We didn't have to have, we didn't have to, like, there could have been one kid. Yeah. It could have been
0: just Elamir. It could and- have been Sabriel and- just not having an heir, and that's also a thing. Right. Right. I, I I agree. Um, not irrelevant, but it is not irrelevant. Previously. Yeah, yeah, it it's interchangeable for the sake of the story. It's I right. would argue it's not interchangeable for Sam's character, but Sam's right. so, character is interchangeable. So that's where I would say not fitting
1: in is interchangeable because he didn't have to exist. Now for right. the next one, <laughs> him granted that he exists, granted that he exists, him is, being that yeah, him being afraid it is, is integral. Mm- is integral, right. But if he hadn't been there, then that entire thing could have been reshaped and been something else. Right.
0: Um, care. Was this treated with care? Uh, Nick being kidnapped. And ga- yes, I, I think yeah. that this one was because it's not described very viscerally. And honestly, if you don't know what gaslighting is, well, also, right. it's it's not done in a way where the reader feels gaslit. Oh, no, no. We totally know what's going on. We know exactly like, what's going on. We know that he is staring straight at that thing, and he isn't seeing it correctly, but we know what it's supposed to be. Uh, right. We are not being and fooled at all.
1: Right. We're not being fooled. We're not being messed with. The only right. time we're being messed with a little bit is when he sends his letter. He's like, la-da-da, everything's fine. But even then, we know enough. Even then, to know Sam knows not- enough to know that it's not, like... Okay.
0: Right. Yeah. Like he's the only so, one. So
1: the reader isn't being gaslit, and that's very important. All right. Sam not fitting in.
0: <sighs> I think this was treated with care. I think it's also. I I, th- I would say so on our scale of I like look- yes, enough, not enough, and no. I would say it was treated with enough, enough. care. That's what I was going to say too. It was enough yeah. care. Um.
1: Um. Him getting burned. Sorry. Him getting <sighs>
0: like. Okay, sorry. Well, uh, I mean, it is that it is that moment of burn. That is the thing. Yeah, Sam. Yeah. So then the next one after not fitting in, um, I am unsure actually. Um, I don't. This is one of the scenes. So I'm a very visual reader. When I read it, I see it almost like a movie. Um, I'm not. I, I actually, so I'll let you take this. If I okay, if I am enough into the story. I almost see the whole book as it happens around me from varying perspectives. It would make a very disjointed, hard to track movie because I'm jumping perspective, depending on the sentence sometimes. Um, But I, I would argue. So what that Sam being Sam being burned is one of those purely constructed, but very visual images that is kind of, (laughs) haha <laughs> jokes burned into my brain i have this very very visceral image of of that that hand and the arm and him being held also um, is this our first burn in books that burn i feel like we should stop
1: and <laughs> note this moment is it i think it is is it well okay yeah because sure. i guess i guess with
0: <laughs> yeah it's our first burn in books that burn yeah um, we did it okay <laughs> Anyway, Um, I I would say that if you are a more visual reader, this, this was probably enough care, but like, I would say that books in general, because
1: enough people are visual readers, books, uh, good books are designed to invoke that imagery in people who will have that and to describe enough for you to feel it if you aren't one of those visual people. That's, like, that's why that's- I'm saying
0: enough care, because this is one of those where, like, me me in middle school or whatever, I could have – that I would have been able to feel the feeling of burns from a hand on my wrist reading this. The description right. was good enough. I, I don't yeah. think – I don't think it was treated carelessly, and I think it was important, and I think that describing it less would have made Sam's reaction throughout the book feel disingenuous. Right there need to be given enough weight to the event in order for the aftermath to play out. Right. Um, I don't think it was just treated with care. I think it was treated with enough care. Okay. Uh, Point of view. Point of view. So point of view of Sam's... Point of view... um, It's not Sam. Wow. Nick's. Point of view of Nick's Nick's kidnapping and gaslighting. Uh, Point of view of the trauma. We get... We get Nick...
1: and we get what it looks like to other people when he isn't processing things. So yeah, I think we so get Nick and others. Right. And I think especially with something like gaslighting, that's really important. We get the perspective yeah. of the person gaslighting him. Mhm. It pretty close to it. Mm-hmm. Um, third mm-hmm. person but tracking their thoughts. Right. Um right. We get the person perspective of the person doing it. We get the, Nick's perspective and Given how, like in a lot of traumas, I'm not particularly interested in the person who who did it. But gaslighting is one of those weird ones where, where that like, is important. That's kind of important, and so yep. we get that. We get the person doing it. We and, get, and
0: also uh, with the aftermath, we get Nick. With, right, and we, with we, the aftermath, we, get, we only get Nick. Right, which I think Once is absolutely important. Once mm-hmm. he's lucid, we only ever get him. Right. We'll go
1: back to Hedge being
0: like, dang it, I was controlling your mind. Like we don't have something. <laughs> like my that. dark spell has been broken. Like, no, we don't get any <laughs> of that. We we get Nick and Nick's realization and Nick processing and Nick's horror at what happened, but like we get we get the victim. We get him yeah. processing the aftermath, which is great. Um, and we get Lyrio like seeing him. Well, not really for the af- well, not for the aftermath. We do for the trauma.
1: No, no, no. I meant I meant for the trauma. I yeah. did mean for the trauma. Yeah. I was saying seeing him while it's happening.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for the trauma itself, we get him and others, and that's important. And then for the aftermath, we only get him, which is super important for what he went through.
1: Yeah um like hedge doesn't get a voice anymore nope <laughs> once he literally doesn't have a voice anymore in nick's head <laughs> yeah
0: oh, uh Uranus. well hedge anyway. never had yeah oranis doesn't say, get a hedge doesn't get a voice once oranis loses his yep um sam sam's uh wallmaker repression point of view of the trauma and the aftermath both of these i think are just sam no yeah no i take it back Well, because we get other people wanting
1: him to do things he's not doing. We get a little bit of that. We
0: don't get their perspective. We get him watching them order him around. I would argue. Okay, so I think it stays just as Sam, really. I I think it does for the trauma. I actually think for the aftermath, we do see Lyriel noticing that he's doing better. Right. We do do see her noticing that, like, he seems more confident and he's just doing things. And he's, especially when they get to, like, the final scene in Aborsen, he's he's on it and he's confident and he's ready to go. And he's just doing what she asks with no hesitation. And he's just like, yes, I'm in my element. He's just going. And, and, and it's important that in that moment he is doing his wallmaker thing. And he's just confident. He's just like, oh yeah, I've never done this spell before, but it's fine because I have no hesitation. And I think that her seeing him for lack of, of better words, seeing him live who he is, is I think also important. Moving on to Sam being afraid of death. Sam being afraid of death. Moving on to Sam being afraid of death. Uh, point of view of the trauma is I think just Sam. It's just Sam. Yeah, it's I thought we'd already.
1: Sam. I thought we were talking about both these at once because it's no, it's just Sam. It's, it's just, just Sam. more Sam.
0: Point of view of the aftermath. I guess again, it's kind of Sam Lyrical. Because again it's like it's like Lyrial noticing that he's not he's not repressing himself anymore and he just seems much better now. Yeah. Um yeah. Um okay. Um our aspiring writer tip. So we have to think what was our tip? What was our tip last episode? Cuz it was the same books. Um I'm trying to remember. I don't remember now. That was 2 weeks ago. For us, yeah. Okay. Um, All right. Well, if we end up saying the same thing, we just really believe it. (laughs) Forewarning. Uh, So, aspiring writer tip. Any thoughts? All right. Trying to think. I have one if you don't. But I I don't know if it's what we said last time or not. Uh, Let me know if this sounds too familiar. Okay. Um, I would say that a really good aspiring writer tip is to think about what. you want the reader to get out of your descriptions because and, and this has been true in both book series that we've read so far but um Garth Nix is particularly good at this um and I'm not I'm not just talking about this series like anything I've read from him he's he's very very good, good at this mm-hmm He's very good he's very at good at visuals. He's very visuals good at visuals. And world building yeah and, and but it's not but there's a lot of people that are good at visuals and world building. He's very good specifically at thinking, how do I want the audience to interpret this visual? How do I want them to experience this visual? He's not writing this because he wants to picture it a certain way. He's writing it because you need to see it a certain way and there's there's things where like. I, I especially love, um, in these books in particular, uh, his descriptions of, of items that come up a lot, we don't get a copy-pasted description. Like there's the Book of the Dead, it's always described differently. It's always slightly differently. But if you take all those descriptions and kind of put them together, they don't contradict each other at all. Oh, no. Um, and the, like the way the Charter Magic Collars are described? Yeah, they're all – it's always different words, but they always make sense. And there's there's a lot of books I've read that have beautiful descriptions. And every time that particular thing or item or room comes up, it's always alludes back to the same – initial impression that you were given however many pages ago it's always the same color wording it's always the same sentence structure it's always it almost feels copied and pasted because the author wants you to refer back to your own memory (laughs) but this is like more like you picked up
1: the object and described it every time and then picked it up again and then described
0: it right and then picked it up again after learning a new color and described it again and then picked it up after learning the name of that clasp and described it again like um, it feels mm-hmm. very dynamic and it feels and, and, and even things like um there was a there was a, a sample of the of the book that I, I read during during our, our third uh our third topic discussion where the only thing we get out of this book and as the description goes is a silver clasp. Mm-hmm. I don't remember that class being described as silver in any other descriptions. That class was mm-hmm. there. They talk about the book having a class before, but that gives me just – it's like a – it's a building description as as you encounter these things over and over. But you always get the piece of the description that matters for your visual in the moment. And it's I, – I love reading books that do this because I, I never get bored. I never yeah. get bored hearing about the lime green wall <laughs> – Mm-hmm. like it just doesn't happen um I, I never get tired of 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 that one object because oh of course it's there again like no yeah. because it always feels new and it always feels interesting and there's always something that I, I latch on to and and build my, my mental image yeah
1: alright favorite non-traumatic thing about the book I like the surcoats
0: <laughs> oh yeah i want one <laughs> yeah it makes me want a surcoat it makes me want a surcoat that has like things that matter to me on it mm-hmm. um so
1: surcoat is a garment that goes over armor and has uh emblems on it and in this case almost all their surcoats actually all their surcoats are found for them by the charter sendings who always know what surcoat they ought to have and so Liriel has the abortion keys quartered with the golden stars of the Claire and Sam, I think Sam has the I Wallmaker think he j- trowel. Just has Wallmakers. Yep. I don't think he has nope. anything else.
0: No abortion keys, just the Wallmaker trowel. Also no no royal whatever, just the Wallmaker. Right. Um I think that's important for him. Yes. Very, very much so. Um my favorite thing Actually my favorite thing is in in this, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the borsen because I think I gave my favorite thing from Lyrial last time. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite thing in this book is I think honestly Sam making the sword at the end. Oh yeah, just the description of like the what he was doing there. I mean, again, as far as like you know details that make you care about the story, I can picture the making of this sword. mm Hmm magic and everything like there's just it's just really cool and it's cool to see him starting because he starts out this series like kind of a wreck and struggling to figure out how to even function and and at the end you see him just being like nope this is this is the culmination of everything that is in me and who i am and he's never done this particular spell before but he's like let's go like i know what this is and i'm ready to go and And I will figure it out. And then he does it. And I also really like uh, swordsmithing and forging and metalworking in general. And so I appreciate the tiniest little bit of allusion to that, a magical version of that. Yes. Also.
1: All music used in this podcast was created by Nicole as Heartbeat Art Co. and is used with permission. You can follow us on Twitter at books that burn, all one word. You can email us with questions, comments, or book recommendations at
0: books that burn at yahoo.com. Support us on patreon.com slash books that burn. All patrons get access to our upcoming book list and receive a one-time shout out. You can leave us an iTunes review. This helps people to find the show. And find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play,
1: or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks.